1: ego is who we think we are and the soul is that capital s self that is our most authentic place so i feel like in a healthy relationship it is a process of kind of surrendering who we think we are to come into resonance with that greater energy that's connecting us of love so in the beginning we had a lot of ideas of who we thought we were that was blocking us from our relationship
0: gentlemen and ladies brothers and sisters people Now let's get into this. Come on. Good people. Today we're in for a special one. For the first time in The Truth Prescription's five-year history, I'm having my wife come on as a guest to co-host a very special episode on relationships and intimacy. So Corinne and I, um, Corinne's my wife, we interviewed Elisa Romeo and Adam Foley, who are authors of Holy Love, the Essential Guide to Soul-Fulfilling Relationships. So we talked about, number one, intimacy through uncertainty, which is something that we've all been dealing with during the last two years with COVID. Number two, some tips on how to fight with your partner, but in a conscious way, so you don't totally destroy all everything that you've built in your relationship with a few badly placed words or actions. We talked about the difference between the ego or the personality and the soul. So it was a great episode. It was actually pretty funny because we had some crazy technical difficulties to start. And it took us probably about twenty minutes to get started. But we were patient, you know, on both sides. We were persistent. We worked together to really see it through. And it's it reminded me kind of like what you do in a in any, you know, relationship that you care about. So, you know, the surface it seemed kind of problematic, but in actuality it was kind of cool to you know, just kind of work with them and display some of those core relationship qualities. So, anyway, let's get into this episode. Close your eyes and open your ears, then let's go. Well, today I have the pleasure of interviewing Mrs. Alisa Romeo and Adam Foley. Is it Alisa or Elisa?
1: Alisa, Alisa. Yep.
0: They are the authors of Holy Love, which is the essential guide to soul fulfilling relationships. Which is. Uh, I think something that everybody needs. So this is this is right on time, particularly with what we just went through in the last two years. This is also a special episode because I've actually never had my lovely wife, Miss Corinne, gathers on with me. But when I saw the two of you and I read about you, I said, you know what? It might be this might be a good, you know, some good synergy you know, to have. I'm really excited.
1: I'm glad she's on. I was like, I hope she's just not tech support. I want her to be. Oh, no, no, no,
0: no. Hey, let me tell you, if I'm tech Tech support, I'm
1: lousy. Are we all in trouble? I mean, I'll never get tech support either. She's
0: she's support, but not tech support. (laughs) Other kinds of support. So this is, I believe, episode 104 or three, 103. On The Truth Prescription, we deal with truth. We focus on what's real and what's not real. And in my journey and the journey of all the guests that I've had over the last five years, they recognize and realize that interfacing with truth is actually a pathway to freedom. When you ignore it, There's a problem when you deal with it. It might be difficult, but you have a breakthrough and you're shaking your head because I know that you all understand exactly what I'm talking about.
1: Absolutely. I liked on your bio where you said, you know, this isn't kind of like surface level. Basically, I interpreted it like toxic positivity or new Uh, age mantras. It's more going deep into the real stuff. I really that's our whole orientation. So I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So I'd like to jump right in. I think you two obviously. uh, Well, let me just give a little bit of background. Alisa, you're a marriage and family counselor by trade, which is really cool. And Adam, you, you sort of focus on somatic therapy and mindfulness, which um, I actually in the last couple of months have been working with a somatic therapist and it's been life changing, been life changing. So really, really great work, Adam. I don't think people really know about the power of that yeah. kind of work. Even I did. I did a little bit with you. Yeah. 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 Some stuff that I learned I, I was showing her and she she was like, "Oh, okay. This is this is this is interesting."
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people don't don't get into that type of, type of therapy.
0: Right. What did you think about it when I was doing it with you?
2: So we did the foot yeah. like kind of like rubbing your foot over the like the hard the drowl.
0: It's like a hard wooden thing with uh like ridges in it.
2: And it hurt. Oh, yeah, I know it's absurd. It hurt, but when say who was like, "Oh, you have to make noise with it." Like really like like get it out. And it felt so much better. I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, this is, there's something to this.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I used to teach yoga classes and in class, often when somebody would go into pigeon pose or just do a pose, they would suddenly like break out into tears. Mm. And it was really specifically stored in certain muscles, you know? Mm -hmm. And after that, we can start seeing patterns. Like where is it more common where we hold grief or where we hold our unworthiness feeling? And so I love focusing there because it's like focusing on the microcosm of the macrocosm, you know? If you can pinpoint where the emotion is stored in your body and where it's keeping you from embodying your your truest self, then if you start releasing that, it just sort of expands and snowballs into a bigger healing process.
1: I think America, we're so heady, we're so analytical that we forget like the truth is stored in our body. So it's that idea that's like, your biology is your biography. So yeah. if you can just come down and access that point, it, I definitely think it's a real freedom access point.
0: You know, you two are a real uh, power couple. And, you know, Corinne loves that <laughs> phrase. There's this stupid commercial that always comes on. This guy's like, I want to be a power couple. And she's like, no, you That's don't. Like, no, you don't. But in says, actuality.
1: I don't, I don't see us as a power couple. But <laughs> no, I like, I'll I'm going to explain like why. It. I'm going to
0: explain why. Because. You deal with some of the more, uh, we'll, we'll just call it mindset or, or mental aspects of of one's um, world, right? And helping them sort of unravel and unwind those things. And Adam deals with the body. And so as a combination, it can be really powerful, That's what I said, a power couple. So one of the things I always like to ask guests is to tell us a story about a time, and for you, it would be in your relationship where possibly there was a truth that you were either ignoring or you just weren't aware of, Right when the two of you accepted it, a breakthrough happened, either individually or in the actual relationship? Honestly, we've
1: had so many rounds of that. I feel like
0: that's,
1: (laughs) I don't know if I can pick one, but I think a lot of our books about the difference between ego and soul, and the ego is who we think we are. And the soul is that capital S self that is our most authentic place. So I feel like in a healthy relationship, it is a process of kind of surrendering who we think we are, to come into resonance with that greater energy that's connecting us of love. So in the beginning, we had a lot of ideas of who we thought we were Mm. that was blocking us from our relationship. We have a big age difference. I was in a relationship when we met. He was in a relationship when we met. So there was a lot of things that we had to really wrestle with and kind of come to what our soul's information was around it. And I'm like so grateful we did. And it was hard at the time because it wasn't easy or like, a simple path.
3: Yeah, our egos definitely had the idea of what we wanted and the narrative of our, of our lives, what we thought was going to happen. And then we met each other and we had to really throw those, those stories story, out yeah. because we had to be open to what our souls were calling us to do. I also think that just understanding that, that fact of that we all have an idea of who we are, and yeah. then we all have an essence of who we are is so helpful in relationships, especially long-term relationships, because over time, hopefully we get to know our partners more and more yeah, and not less and less. And so making that the vision of, hey, we met each other as egos, we have some egoic connections, but now can we use our relationship over time to deepen our understanding of each other?
0: Yeah, so to, to clarify for the listeners, when you say ego, you're talking about the personality, the customs the 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 likes the dislikes those those types of things the things that you sort of come with from your parents and from your experience that's the that you go yeah
1: like we see it like an iceberg who we think we are is above the surface and that's how we identify and then under and ego's healthy the healthy version of ego too is part of our customs and our programming some of that can be beneficial you sure. know how to achieve things yep. how, but that doesn't account for what's under the surface which is where more depth psychology addresses our subconscious, where our dreams come from, all those deeper places in us, what's really going to fulfill us long-term, that real authentic self. So that work comes from becoming conscious, creating a relationship with the ego with maybe body awareness stuff where it's right. like, I think I'm doing fine, but why am I having panic attacks? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we right, can have right, a narrative right. that's like not what's going on under the surface, So the ego can be, we're all a little dumb as egos because the nature of the ego is like amnesiac, like Dorian finding Nemo where we're like, what, 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 you know? So (laughs) a healthy functioning ego is an ego that's in conscious relationship to what's under the surface. So starting to do what we like to do is soul journaling, which is a practice where you're journaling, but you're raising your brain state from beta to theta To start to access that deeper part of yourself, so you can start to get information like, where are these panic attacks coming from? And what's so great about the soul, if you're kind of activating it correctly, is it's not a bypassing spiritual bypass situation. The soul understands where the ego is and its development. So it's really healthy and careful and grounded around inner child work and comforting our human self in this developmental evolutionary process.
0: So for you, for you all, in terms of the truth prescription for your relationship was more about sort of separating out the ego or the personality from the essence and then working with, th- with those parts, right? Instead of having the egos clash, right, which is a bunch of programs, having the egos clash, actually figure out, all right, well, who am I really? What do I really like? How can I really serve in giving this relationship, and then and then sort of bring those parts together? And you mentioned I'm only sort of reiterating a little bit because we have a Facebook Live on, so people can you know hear you. But I think that's important. What what do you what do you take from that? What's been your experience in our uh, almost eight year journey? Well,
2: we started laughing when you said, "Oh, you know, everything's fine. We're, we're killing it. We're doing great." <laughs> right. Oh my god, why do I have headaches? Why do I have panic attacks? Right. And I think we all feel like on the surface, you know, that okay we know what we're doing. We know what we want our marriage to look like, or we know what we want our relationship to look like, but looking like is different than actually being in it and living in it and being with the person and letting it be
3: how it's going to be. Absolutely. One way to think of it is just as our inner voices. You know, we all have different inner voices. We have the voice of self-doubt, you know, when we're doing something that's like, oh, you can't do this, you know, or just those little, we call those voices the gremlin voices, Mm -hmm. the ones that keep us away from knowing ourselves. And so in that sense, we also have our egoic voice that's kind of used to our patterns and staying in our safety zone. And then we have our soul voice. So that voice is just the voice of love. So you can call it soul or you can just call it unconditional love. And it's your unique Version of unconditional love. It's not unconditional love in general because we really like to move away from the idea of what love should do, you know, any rules that we place on love, how love should act, how you should be in relationship because everybody's unique and everybody has a unique journey that they're either working on or healing. And so, and all relationships are different. And so, we really, really encourage using your intuition, slowing down putting a hand on your heart and really connecting and not talking about love, the concept of love, but talking to love directly and saying, hey, what does my love want to do today? How does my love want to show up in this relationship? Or if you're in a heated argument, pausing for one second, say, hey, what does my love want to tell me about what's going on in this argument? And so we move away completely from any dogmas or rules to live by and more of an intuitive unfolding of each moment.
0: I'll tell you, one of the, the most difficult things for me, and I think maybe not so much for Corinne, because she's she's a little a little cooler on the outside anyway, um, <laughs> is when you're in those heated moments to just really. And I don't really get there often, but when I do, it's like, whew, it's so all-encompassing, and that's really the reptile brain, and you know the whole uh, hormonal thing that occurs. But what you talked about in terms of being in those moments and being able to just take a second— mm-hmm. you know, all it takes is a just second, one. Yeah. just a second, yeah. just take a beat. It's super difficult, but I always when I when I talk with clients, I always like talk about it like exercise. Like when you're pushing on a Peloton or you're like running up that that last that last uh, sprint, that's difficult, and that same. Muscle that you use to do that is the same thing you can use in your relationship, right? Just it's it's hard. It's difficult. It's like the, see, at the time, it seems like the hardest thing you ever have to do. <laughs> but it's so worth Absolutely. it because as we were talking about yesterday, like, you know, these relationships are long term mm-hmm. relationships. And they're so difficult to build the trust over time and love. But they're so easy to destroy with just like a few misplaced words mm-hmm. or a few misplaced deeds. Right. And so it's, it's, it's really important that that point you made about just taking a second and just, you know, just kind of where am I? And then the thing we like to say sometimes, we haven't said it that, that like recently, but in the past, you remember sometimes i would be like, listen, I'm not your enemy. Yes. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm here with yeah. you. And I'm also reminding myself as I'm saying it. <laughs> <like, you know, laughs> we're yeah, on the yeah. same side. <laughs> right, right, right.
1: Well, that's the nature of the ego, right? We're separate. Maybe yeah. we're not yes. on the same team. And then when we come into the soul lessons or reasons we're together, then it's like, oh, it's a three-legged race. Yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> so it's like, if
1: you're, if you're fighting me, we're going nowhere. Here. Right. <laughs> so I think you put it's that funny. really beautifully. I think yeah. it's also like a lot of our work's based on like Einstein's idea that you can't solve a problem from the energy level in which it's created. That happens all the time in relationships especially in couples, we get into this ping pong game on ego level of your trauma hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. So we activate each other. <laughs> your, your trauma you hurt go, my feelings. Yeah. Your trauma hurt my feelings. Now yeah. my yeah. trauma's hurting your feelings. Right. Now your traumas, But has pong, either of us moved up to theta state <laughs> and from love asked the question, taking that one second of what is going on right now? Because as soon as we ask that question from love, you start to see, oh, Lisa, you're wounded because some childhood thing's triggered right now. And oh, you're triggering Adam in this way and you know how to attack because I'm Italian. I I know how to go for it if I want.
3: (laughs) She does. (laughs) And I'm
1: intuitive. It's a little bit of a nightmare sometimes if I'm in that. So it's really, you know, deraveling and starting to say, where am I scared? How do I just need to hold that part of me that's reacting? And it is like a muscle. So the more you practice that beta, theta, beta, theta muscle, then you have a little more hope in that one second moment of choosing. Are we going to go into the red? Are we going to deescalate?
3: And the voice of soul always feels familiar. So I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that feeling of like when you're in a fight and you're so attached to your story, you know, you're like, hey, They did that, and I'm so offended because of this and A, B, and C. And and the ego can just make the story bigger and bigger, right? That's how fights escalate. It just, like, expands on the story. Oh, and that reminds me of three months ago when you did something (laughs) similar like that. And a year ago. And so it just fights for validation for that wound more and more. And the ego is good for navigating the rest of life, but it's very terrible in navigating love. And so when we connect to our soul, there's usually a a familiar feeling of like, oh, well, I did kind of know that. Like a part of me knew the whole time in the back of my head. Like I was very activated and I'm very like charged, but there's always a resonance. It's not like the information comes out of left field. Like it's something you've never heard of before. And
1: sometimes the ego has to go through that last extinction burst of fighting for what it thinks it it wants. So a lot of times coming back to soul truth is a feeling of, like humility, like a humbling mm-hmm. of like, we're going to put our weapons down, you right. know? Right. Right. And, and sometimes we can become attached to our weapons if the programming is those weapons kept me safe. Correct. Like, right. I don't know, right. is this dangerous to put my weapons down?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's the whole thing of, of, of fighting. It's, it's interesting. It's really interesting. You know, I want to talk a little bit about COVID for a second, more so this idea of intimacy through uncertainty. As you, I'm sure you know, there were many divorces during (laughs) during these last two years, right? What would you say are are some good tools for folks? Because I think what what happened is, in general, we're probably not as intimate as we think we are. And then when we're put in a situation where we really need to be, like, in the house, face-to-face, all of these hours with this person, all of the programs and traumas and things get triggered and you just can't handle it. And you're just like, all right, I'm done. What would you say would be a good technique or tool that people can kind of use? I mean, it's still a little bit of uncertainty, even though COVID is sort of tampering down. How would you say that they can sort of manage through that?
1: Stressors are real, right? And it's like when you've got all these added financial stressors, stressors with homeschooling, like oh, oh, yeah. This, yeah, oh, safety yeah. is my job safe and medical stressors. You know, I talked to a lot of people who lost family members throughout. So that's a lot to navigate. But I think we just come back and again and again to the same thing. We would recommend beginning a soul journaling practice. You can start in your head without even doing it on paper. But we like to push paper because it's the difference to just like lifting your hand or having weights in your arms. It puts that kind of added spotlight on the ego and consciousness so that the gremlins can be a little less sneaky. It's a little more accountability and exposes all those kind of little psychological complexes that usually go... Camo. They're usually underground, and they kind of hide within us, and we can function pretty well, we think, with them. But then the stressors increase, and then it's like a a bomb. (laughs) So I think it's starting out with, like Adam was talking about, just you can just start right now. Put a hand on your heart and ask your higher self, or you can say love, unconditional love, what do you want to tell me about? And then just get real specific with whatever... Why my partners drive me crazy? Mm-hmm. Why is my 13-year-old suddenly want to just be in his room all the time? Like, <laughs> Whatever is the right. issue of the day, we right. always have new questions. So it's just starting to fake it till you make it because the ego has resistance to starting this practice yes. because we're really trained that we can't do this. We're really taught that power's external and we have to seek it through other people or books or whatever. Right. So it's starting to reclaim that sovereignty and really be like, if I pretend to know what love might be telling me, yeah. what might it be around? Why am I having a panic attack right now? Yeah. What is activated in myself?
0: Honey, what do you think about that whole idea of just like, and, and you're very sort of, you're more connected to me to the current events and the news and the statistics mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I, I pers- kind of purposely stay separate, separate from that. But you're sort of connected to it. And so your anxiety level is a little more elevated, right? A little bit, a little bit. So, but, I still, but I still feel you very present in our relationship. So what, what do you, like, how do you manage that?
2: I think from just a different, I try to think to myself, like, okay, am I safe? Am I okay? What am I really worried about? What's important to me in this situation? Kind of like talk myself off the ledge, talk myself
0: back. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. Like kind of almost like. You're saying like connected to reality.
2: Yeah, to reality. Because a lot of times it's like, you know, we have kids. So a friend of ours was talking about one of her kids and saying how one of the kids is having some anxiety issues. And I was like, don't we all, you know? And so I was sharing (laughs) a book with her about like a kid book about like worrying. And when I was looking at it, I was like – I don't know who needs it more, me me or the kid, you know? (laughs) We all all need it. Yeah, so we're worrying about things that may not, you know, that may not happen. So this little dinosaur that's like carrying his umbrellas. Oh my God, I'm going on a walk. What if it rains? I don't have my wellies, I don't have my umbrella. Well, it didn't rain. He could have just enjoyed his walk, you know? So kind of think of it like
1: that. And with kids, we do it just the same way, but a lot of times we will use animals. So we'll say you know, what's your favorite animal? And they might say, Oh, bun bun at school, like the school bunny. And you'll say, great, we're going to play a game and we're going to pretend bun bun is all loving and all knowing. So bun bun becomes a symbol for that voice of wisdom and mindfulness within them. And then you just start, kids are great at imagining they're better than us at it. Right. So then you start to say, well, what do you think bun bun would say about you being nervous on the walk? Right. And then they start getting information. I mean, I found this, I've worked in rehabs for years. I work at an incest survivor agency. So I feel like I've been in the front lines of just like with a lot of trauma. You know, I work with gang members in East Palo Alto. And it's like, no matter what the situation was, whether it was like I'm sitting with, you know, rapist or whatever, there's a way you can actually get through the trauma by if they're willing to play the game with you and start to talk to the energy of love, I mean, I, it's, just, it's just a miracle to watch a client who 10 minutes before will be like, I have no idea what to do about this. And then they just activate that place. And suddenly they're totally clear about exactly what's happened, what they need to do, how to get there. So I really, truly believe even kids, we all have that access to that wisdom. It's just how do we tap it correctly?
0: Earlier, we were talking about beta waves and theta waves. We normally function in sort of the, the beta in our sort of every day. I need to study a little bit more about it because I don't know a ton about it. But I do know that meditation, which I'm an avid practitioner of for ten years, gets you in a different state. And I always say it's like practice for when you're in a stressful time or period, you can sort of recall that wavelength, if you will, and sort of try to move with that. Are there like specific exercises or specific meditations that you give like your clients that you were just talking about? Like um, he said not rape. You, you, Do you actually, you actually counsel gang. people that, oh, gang members, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. gang members, like are there specific things that you give them to do?
1: Yeah, we do guided meditations a lot on our website, Holy and Human. You can go on there and we have a lot of free guided meditations because so much of it is just experimenting, right? Like practicing. And a lot of times more kind of passive meditations like TM or mindfulness are harder for people to come in at an entry point. Cause if you have a busy monkey mind and then to go to silence right, right. and just observing the thoughts <laughs> right. and the clouds are the thoughts and just watch the clouds. That's great. And, and builds a practice, but sometimes it's almost triggering for people if there's a lot of trauma in their body. So guided meditations keeps the mind busy, but you're tricking the mind to right. work on that beta mm-hmm. theta muscle. Sometimes, um, sound can be really great as an adjunct thing to add on. Like, um, hollow sync is one program or binaural beats because you really can help your brain change with
0: sound. Right. And and people are used to sort of having, you know, earphones in and sounds and having that anyway. So that, that again, it's almost like a trick you're using something that they've used as a crutch almost as a weapon or as a, you know, an advantage or tool for them.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we're busy parents. And so we really wanted to design our exercises. Each chapter in our book ends with a meditation and some exercises. So we're really all about experiential knowledge because we're tired. You know, we don't need to give people more spiritual concepts and more spiritual ideas. It's more about starting your practice, starting with where you're at. But we're parents. We're busy every day, you know, and we really try to design these so you could do them. If it was only for five minutes in the bathroom, I often, talk that's to, often the We're usually the only saying, yes.
1: do this in the bathroom for five yes, minutes. Yes, sometimes it's perfect. It's that's all you have. Correct. You know? No, yeah.
0: correct. And that's perfect. I, I also tell people that too. Like, because some people are like, well, I live with people. I'm like, listen, nobody's following you in the bathroom. So go in the <laughs> yeah, bathroom, Exactly.
1: turn it's the, the shower example. on. I once had a take meditation. Take your five minute
0: meditation. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: I had a meditation teacher tell me once, I was like, I'm busy and I have so much going on in my life. I don't have time to meditate. And they're like, that's when you need it the most. Right. So if you're busy, then you really need to do invest in five to 10 minutes so that you can function for all those other things.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. I want to go to our last section here called first impressions, which is uh, I'm going to say word and then you just Ooh, tell wow. me. <laughs> I love this story. You just this tell very me. <laughs> <with that word. laughs> You just tell me what's the first thing that comes to your to your mind.
3: Ready? Yeah, let's do it. Love, Adam, God.
0: <laughs> hey, Adam, <laughs> Adam, Adam and
3: God. <laughs> I like
0: word. It. <laughs> Children.
1: I just think of our boys. They're Love, just, yeah.
0: Marriage. Happy. I don't even
1: know what to, I. Marriage, what you gonna think. say? <laughs> I mean, the marriage part to me feels like the practice, which is different, I feel like, than the relationship. But the marriage is like an energy, feels to me like the practice, like the practice. using the relationship as a practice.
0: Meditation, fun, peace, possibility,
3: expansion, greatness is what I heard. Soul, me, happy, I got it
1: spirit. To me that's a whole thing. I, I, I say Marion Woodman, which is a union psychotherapist, it's a long story, but yeah. it's I see spirit as a very particular thing.
3: She wrote a whole chapter about
1: this in her
0: first
3: <laughs>
1: spirit versus soul. <laughs> it's like a whole thing yes. for
0: me. Yes. So what do you what's your what's your one word? The whole thing? Sorry, continue.
3: Oh God. God. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Body. Self. Soul.
0: And last one, health. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Complicated. Complicated. <No. laughs> I say
1: happy. Right now we're coming off this book and it's like the most unhealthy I've ever probably been in my whole life. So right now I'm seeing it as like gotta get back on it, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What did you say, Adam? Well, you said happy?
3: He said happy. I said happy. <laughs> <I'm> happy. <laughs> He's to, he just happy. He just, Adam's oh, just happy. God, I love that.
0: overnight. Just... <laughs> that's his That's his answer for everything. I like it. That's a great answer. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, I
3: feel like I learned a lot. I know. About I feel stuff.
1: like I need therapy now. I have to
0: process <laughs> all of that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I normally do this other thing called um, Yes or BS, where I kind of say something and people say yes or BS. But I've been trying some some other things, just, you know, mixing it up, having some fun. Mix
3: it up, yeah. I like it. I like
0: all it. right. Well, listen, that's all I, I have, uh, lady and gentlemen. This was great. I appreciate it. Folks, go out and get uh, the book, Holy Love, The Essential Guide to Fulfilling Relationships. I'm going to sign off as I always do, that the truth will set you free if you let it.